Hello, and welcome to another Veterinary Team Training Podcast. My name is Amy Newfield, and I'm both the host and owner of Vet Team Training. Please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com. Today is my third installment of Shit You Shouldn't Have to Put Up With, and today's focus of Shit You Shouldn't Have to Put Up With is the underutilization of your veterinary technician or veterinary nurse skills. It's just shit you shouldn't have to put up with. For the vast majority of us, we went to school, we got an education, we came out of school, we became licensed or credentialed in our state or our country, and then we were told, oh, at this practice, we don't allow our technicians or nurses to do those things. Say what? This is just shit you shouldn't have to put up with. On the flip side, I wonder how many veterinarians come out of school and are told, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to prescribe, you're not allowed to diagnose, and you definitely can't do surgery because at this practice, we don't trust you to be able to do those skills that you were trained for and went to school for. I mean, the whole thing is just ridiculous. I can't even believe it's 2021 and we're still talking about the importance of technician utilization. So let's dive into this topic because it's a topic that still exists And I honestly thought, you know, okay, when I graduated from school in the 90s, maybe I just thought that was the way things were done. But it's now been 23 going on 24 years of me in this veterinary profession, and I'm still talking about this shit. All right, so let's dive into what technician utilization is. In all 50 United States, the Veterinary Practice Act state that a veterinary technician cannot diagnose provide a prognosis, perform surgery, or prescribe medication. So that's what we can't do. And it's actually very interesting because it's probably one of the only careers in the world, I would, I would put it out as in the entire world, that is defined by things that you cannot do rather than things that you can do. In every other profession, if you ask somebody, oh, what can you do in your job? They'll list off a whole list of what they can do. If you ask me, what can you do in your job? I say, I can do everything as a veterinary professional except diagnose, provide a prognosis, perform surgery, or prescribe medication. And then when that person looks at me like, I still don't understand, I say, oh, I do everything else. I take the radiographs, I clean the teeth, I restrain for the veterinarian, I place IV catheters, I draw all of your pet's blood, I give all of the life-saving medication, I assist in surgery, I monitor your pet's anesthesia. Do you want me to continue to go on and on and on? Because I do all of that. These other four things I don't do, but I do everything else. So again, if that's everything that we can do and the few things we can't, why are veterinarians still doing our jobs? I mean, I'll be honest, I don't do their jobs, so why are they doing my job? And so I still have to advocate for veterinary technician and nurse rights around the world because it still is an issue in our profession. I still know veterinarians that are placing catheters and do not allow their staff to place catheters. I still know veterinary practices where veterinarians are the ones doing the dental profies. I mean, come on. Yes, you should be, as a veterinarian, you need to do the extractions, but you're cleaning the teeth too? What the heck? It's crazy. Or I even know veterinarians who are the ones to take the radiographs. No offense. I don't like radiology that much. So I will just gladly let a veterinarian do my radiographs for me. But in all seriousness, this is a veterinary technician or nurse job. So let's dive into why it is important that you fully utilize your veterinary technicians and nurses. 
Let's just look at it from a financial perspective. So if veterinarians are performing technician jobs, well, you're wasting time and money. You really are. Veterinarians make the most money for their hospital when they see client appointments and do surgery. That's where the money comes in. It's not the veterinarian placing the IV catheter or drawing the blood or restraining a pet patient or doing a dental profi or any of those things. I actually know veterinarians that monitor anesthesia for other veterinarians. What the heck is going on in these practices? So if you're a veterinarian listening to this, you're actually taking away income from your veterinary hospital because you're doing a job that is not yours. Please stop doing technician related jobs. If you're a veterinarian and you're feeling busy and you're feeling burnt out, you need to stop and ask yourself, am I utilizing my technicians to the fullest or am I encroaching in their space? And maybe that's causing me to add work to my plate and I'm not utilizing my staff like I should. I know what some of you are thinking, Amy, I know how to place a catheter faster than most of my veterinary assistants. Whoa, slow down. And I know what you're also thinking, it doesn't take that long, so I'm not really taking away a lot of money from my hospital. All right, let's show you the money then, since you're not a believer. In 2008, the AVMA biannual economic survey found that on average, for every credentialed veterinary technician a practice employed, the practice actually generated an extra 161,490 93 more dollars in gross revenue. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's actually more than one person's salary. $161,493 more in gross revenue by actually just employing the veterinary technician. Now, in 2010, JAVMA did a study, and so this is a more recent study, and it said that the results of regression analysis suggested that the typical veterinarian's gross income increased by $93,311 for each additional credentialed veterinary technician per veterinarian in the practice. Yes, for the veterinary technicians who are listening to this, you guys are making a ton of money for your veterinary hospital. Now, here is where the reality of the survey is, especially in the AVMA biannual economic survey that I just cited in 2008. There was no significant revenue improvement when hiring non-credentialed technicians. And so they did find a direct correlation between credentialed veterinary technicians who've gone to school to bring in the extra revenue versus those who did not. So just keep that in mind mind when you're looking at the survey. But that said, if you have hired in a credentialed veterinary technician and you're not allowing them to utilize their skills to the fullest, uh, that $161,493, you can start taking money away from that because you're not allowing them to be utilized to the fullest. And if they can't be utilized to the fullest, well, then that value of that individual starts going down and it starts to decrease. So yes, you're taking money away from the hospital simply because you're not going to allow technicians to be able to be fully utilized to their ability. So let's get into the other added benefit and the obvious thing. Technicians and assistants don't want to just clean cages. They want to utilize all their skills, all of their skills. They want to utilize all their skills. Much like a veterinarian came out from vet school, they want to utilize all their skills as well. So it can be relatable. Practice managers want the autonomy to be able to do their job to the fullest. They don't want to be told, oh, hey, you are not allowed to hire and fire, but you are allowed to deal with all the client complaints. I know you're a practice manager, but you actually can't can't deal with the payroll budget. I'm sorry, we don't trust you to do that. So instead, you're only going to focus on this one or two things. 
That's ridiculous. If you hire someone into a role, then please let them do their role. It's probably one of the only industries where people come in and are told, I'm sorry, at this hospital, all the doctors are actually the ones to run the lab work or to one, the ones to be able to do the blood work or draw the blood. That's ridiculous. What are we doing? And so what we're perpetuating is sort of the circle of badness. Let me describe what happens. Doctors compensate by performing technician skills and you compensate by performing those technician skills because you keep telling me that you don't trust your team or your team is too green or they can't be trusted. So it's just easier to do their job. Could you imagine if technicians said that? You know what, doctor? I don't trust you. And so therefore, I'm going to go ahead and start diagnosing. That's not going to work out. And I've got to tell you, there's plenty of brand new doctors that I've worked with that I don't trust their skills, but I still allow them to do their skills and we coach and we we train and I help them and they help me and it's a great relationship so for the doctors who say I don't trust my staff you need to train your staff you it there is a cost in training the staff the learning on the floor sometimes doesn't work for everybody so pay somebody to come in and train your staff or here's another thing I'm going to go outside the box people I want you to designate either a part-time or full-time amazing credentialed veterinary technician to be your technician trainer, to be your nurse educator, to go ahead and be that person. And maybe they don't train all the content, but they know subject matter experts who are able to train that content. So for example, I'm a VTS in emergency critical care. Trust me, nobody wants an emergency critical care technician to train anesthesia. That is not going to be a good thing. So I might know how to do anesthesia, but ooh, man. We want someone who knows how to do anesthesia, who's really gifted in it to be training the anesthesia. And that's not going to be mean people. It's just not. So instead, I would probably reach out to one of my VTSs in anesthesia analgesia and say, hey, can you come into my hospital? We'll pay you X amount. And can you spend a day or two with the staff and get them trained up? There is a cost to training, this on-the-job constant training and, oh, they're not learning fast enough. It's not working out, people. It's obviously not. So for those of you who are feeling like you can't train your staff, set time aside, actually set a budget aside and train your staff because I'm tired of this, you know, we have no time. We are so busy, Amy. Yeah, I get it. We all do. So here's the thing. All of you are slammed busy right now. All of you are making a lot of money in your veterinary hospitals. So get rid of one or two appointments, maybe once a week. Just get rid of them at the end of the day and use that to train a skill set in an environment where it's not crazy busy, we're not learning on the job, but we're truly training. So that's how doctors compensate. That's how practice managers compensate. And no offense to you highly skilled veterinary technicians who are credentialed and amazing and even to some of my beloved veterinary technician specialists, you are hoarding your knowledge and information and you're not helping your team out because you're so busy you have no time to train them. It is not your information to hoard. It's not your knowledge to hoard. You need to give all of your knowledge away. And if you don't have the time, then that's where you make a project plan and come up with how are we going to train our team so that our very green veterinary assistants and technicians can be trained to a point where we trust them. So again, doctors, and I'll even go out on the limb and say, yeah, veterinary technicians, VTSs, you all compensate by performing technician-based skills and hoarding that information and knowledge because you don't have any time to train them and you're too busy. But then what happens is that you're not utilizing your technicians and assistants to their fullest. And the technician or even that assistant starts to get bored. They're stuck cleaning cages. They feel like no one is 
is valuing them. They don't feel like they're moving up in their education. And so guess what happens? They leave your hospital. And guess what then happens? This remain the remaining staff becomes overwhelmed because now they're even more short-staffed. Oh my God, so-and-so left and now we're even more short-staffed. They left because they were bored and they feel like they can be valued at another hospital. So now you're even more short-staffed, now you're even more overwhelmed. And guess what happens? You're now back to having to do more skills and the technician tasks all by yourself because you don't have the staff. You see, this is the circle of badness that we have to get ourselves out of. Let's throw some more data onto this fire. Okay, NAVDA did a 2016 demographic survey. For those of you who are veterinary technicians, please become a NAVDA member. This is really important. Every five years, they put out demographic surveys. Now, I think because of the pandemic, there's a slight hitch. The last one was done in 2016, but I gather we're not gonna probably see a demographic survey getting released to us in 2021, so expect it hopefully in 2022. But this is a really important survey because this survey is made public and it basically tells us what the average veterinary technician is making what is the average veterinary assistant making um, where are we with our education knowledge base and where are we with technician utilization of skills this is really important so definitely please become a member of NAVTA because the only members of NAVTA actually get to complete that survey. And so in this 2016 survey, they said, however, when management is unsupportive and does not push for appropriate staff leveraging and utilization, team morale drops. They found that there is a direct correlation between the utilization and leveraging of technician skills and the team morale. Does that come as a surprise to anybody? Why am I having to do a podcast about this? Um, but this should not come as a surprise. Some other surveys by First Line, which is the magazine, done in March of 20, 2011, said that only 66 of veterinary percent of veterinary technicians felt like they were fully utilized. Ooh, that's a really painful statistic. And this was in a survey, well, I should say it was an article titled, Are Veterinary Technicians Valued? Again, front line, first line, March 2011, only 66% of veterinary technicians felt utilized. And you know what? I know it's 10 years later, but I guess my guess is it's still only 66% because when I do sort of my anecdotal, hey, do you guys feel utilized? The answer sometimes is no, not really. That's terrifying to me. And for some of you, you're still not believers of technician utilization. So let me throw out another study for you. In October of 2019, an investigation of burnout syndrome and job-related risk factors in veterinary technicians in specialty teaching hospitals, and it was a multi-centered cross-sectional study, said this. Here was exactly taken out of the study. When skilled technicians leave the profession, the industry as a whole suffers from a reduced experience pool. Finally, the loss of a valued team member can result in reduced morale in the remaining employees and even result in further resignations. Ouch! So yeah, here is also my own anecdotal um, information for you. Have I left a job because I have tapped out and felt like my skills were not being utilized? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've completely quit a job because I felt like my skills weren't being utilized because I felt like I had more to give and that this hospital just didn't want to utilize me to the fullest. So I quit. And now can you imagine... I, Amy Newfield, with 20 years experience as a VTS in emergency critical care, just left your place of employment because I felt like my skills weren't being utilized. Ooh, 
That's not good. So we have to look at not just the monetary effects, but what it does to the team as a morale if we're not utilizing their skills, because again, they're feeling undervalued, underappreciated. I'll go find another hospital that will allow me to use my skills in full. And then what does that do to the remaining team? Again, it's not pretty. And this is a big issue. So we're still seeing this again. I've been in this profession since the 90s. And I will say this, the very first employer I ever had was a single practice veterinarian in rural Massachusetts. And I'm eternally grateful that that individual allowed us to utilize our skills to the fullest truly allowed us just the autonomy to be veterinary technicians and pushed us and allowed us to do everything. I think my career would be completely different if I did not start out in a practice like that. If I started off in a role where I was undervalued and underutilized, I probably would have been dejected, wondered why I got into this field and considered leaving the field altogether. Ooh, yeah. People leave the field altogether because unfortunately they're not utilized as a technician. So luckily, and the AVMA is looking into this. So the AVMA's House of Delegates in 2019, January 2019, actually commissioned a task force to evaluate veterinary technician utilization. Another initiative is NAVTA's Veterinary Nurse Initiative. And yes, I'm not going to get into whether or not we should be registered veterinary nurses. That's not the point of this podcast. So calm down, people. For those of you who are like, but Amy, I want to stay veterinary technician. Here's what a lot of people don't realize about the Vet Nurse Initiative by NAVTA. It actually is working to de- working with every single state to develop scopes of practices and to do title protection. And I know that they're working to try to protect the title of registered veterinary nurse. And I know that's a hot button topic, but what I really do love is just the awareness and bringing into this, the fact that they're trying to deal with the scopes of practices in all 50 states and say, we want these skills protected. We want this job title protected. Like I do appreciate that. So just on a very high surface level is that they're looking to try to make what what clearly can and can't be do- done by the veterinary technician as the responsibility within that practice. So what are the clear skill sets? What are the clear knowledge base? So that veterinary technicians have a leg to stand on and they can say, this is my career. Like, you know, this is what I should be able to do. And this is the utilization which you should be able to give me. And so it goes beyond just the AVMA and NAFTA. You know, there's certainly other state organizations, certain state veterinary medical associations and veterinary technician associations that are looking at ways of trying to improve technician utilization within their own state. And so what can we do? Because right now this is National Veterinary Technician Week here in 2021, in case you're listening to this podcast in the future. Um, And what can we do? Because we talk about this and we talk about it and we talk about it. Like everyone needs to allow veterinary technicians to utilize their skills. And, but I go into hospitals and I still hear technicians saying, oh, my doctor's the one who placed the catheter or my veterinarian actually monitors anesthesia for my other veterinarian, or my veterinarian is the one who does all the physical exams on the pet patient. Um, and I just, you know, watch and I hold what, what are you doing? Or my favorite my favorite is my veterinarian is the one to give the vaccines. And he or she tells me that the reasons why they give the vaccines is because that is what the client wants. It is not what the client wants. Do you think the client walks in and goes, only a veterinarian can vaccinate my pet? 
I've never heard a client say that. Actually, a client probably would not have an idea. And if a credentialed veterinary technician was the one giving the vaccines, they probably would be fine with that. But here is a, vet, a veterinarian wasting their time, not getting into the next appointment and giving vaccines when that clearly is a veterinary technician skill. So please, you got to stop doing these little things that you don't think are offensive, but they are really offensive. I always say to my veterinarians, I don't do your job, so you don't do my job, okay? But that said, I do think we also have to work in training our technicians and assistants. I do get it. There is a trust level. And when a veterinary technician and a veterinarian build that bond and that trust, you can have a dynamic duo team, right? There's been plenty of times where I've worked with amazing veterinarians. They know me. I know them. We trust each other. And then the reality is if someone new comes along, we go, who is this? I don't know if I can trust their skills because the trusting of a skill, that that's a bond that runs deep, right? So how do we build up that trust? What does that look like? Again, going back to the sort of the middle of this podcast, you need to be able to pay for training. You need to be able to pay for education. It doesn't just occur on the job. So please stop thinking it can. Everybody learns differently. There's no excuse as to why I don't have any time to train people. We're just so busy. Start building in training plans. Start building in this training. This is the new normal. This right now, we're still technically in a pandemic. We are busy and we're probably going to stay busy for quite some time. So I don't want to hear about how you don't have the time. You need to start building time into your schedule, maybe canceling an appointment here or there. The world's not going to end. It's not going to end. You you can take three hours out of every work week and dedicate it to training skills, anesthesia monitoring, whatever it is, so that your veterinarians are more comfortable with the team so that they can actually do veterinarian related duties and your team can actually do technician and assistant related duties. I don't want to hear about how you don't have any time. It costs money to train people. You need to build that into your budget. You need to have a budget for it. And again, consider someone who's super amazing, making that their position to train people. They don't need to train every skill set. So don't expect them to. They just need to know how to pull the tools and the resources and the subject matter experts into your hospital. And who cares if you have to pay, say, $500 for a VTS and anesthesia analgesia to come into your hospital and spend, uh, you know, half a day with the team or a couple hours with the team training more uh, and better anesthesia skills? Who cares in the long run? That lit- that's a little bit of money. So I don't want to hear about how you don't have the time and you don't have the money. You do have both. You just have to figure out where it is and make it work. And then ultimately, once you get your team trained up, let them fly. Let them be veterinary technicians and assistants. This is the coolest part of the job. I have never wanted to be a veterinarian, not once. I've never wanted to do surgery. I've never wanted to diagnose. I never wanted to give a prognosis. And I certainly never wanted to prescribe medication. What I have always wanted to do is be a veterinary technician. I love the nursing care aspect of my job. I love caring for the pet patient. I love caring for that client. I love getting that pet home to its pet parent so that they can keep their bond and keep it strong. And I'm the one who helped them do that. I love all of those things about veterinary medicine. I've never wanted to be a veterinarian. So I've always asked of my veterinarians to please, if there's something that I'm doing that you feel like needs to be done a different way, explain it to me. I want to do that for you. 
So that's where we need to be with in terms of technician utilization. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast of shit. You shouldn't have to put up with the underutilization of your technician skills. Thank you for all the veterinary technicians. This is National Vet Tech Week. Thank you for all that you do. And for everyone else, keep on being a unicorn. Thank you for listening. Please check out my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com.